Welcome to Hello Real Estate, the weekly podcast that reveals vital secrets for buying, selling, investing, and becoming an agent. My name is Lexi Winnington, and I am the broker owner of NC with Lexi Realty Powered by Fathom. And I'm Lindy Brown, co-host of this amazing podcast. So uh, today's episode is all about secrets to choosing a great real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a first-time buyer, seller, or real estate investor, choosing the right agent to work with can be vital to not only securing the offer in the first place, but ensuring that the entire escrow process all the way to closing goes as smoothly as possible. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. And while agents don't have a crystal ball or a magic wand that can guarantee that there won't be surprises Mm -hmm. along the way, um, because of course there always are, right? (laughs) There's always surprises that come up, like financing could fall through Mm -hmm. or you could lose your buyer. And there's just so many different variables that all come into play with any transaction. And what you want is to find an agent that is proactive and has a plethora of tricks up their sleeves to be able to handle any situation that arises to the best of their abilities. And today, we're going to discuss the secrets of choosing a great real estate agent. These tips are in no particular order. So let's jump right in then. Yes, let's get to it. The first secret that we want to share with you guys is just because an agent is local to your area that you want to buy in, it does not mean that they're necessarily your best fit. So there's a lot of different things that come into play when someone calls themselves, quote unquote, your local agent, right? So you should definitely ask yourself, is your realtor diversified? Are they involved in the local community? Or are they just saying they're local because their primary residence is located there? Mm -hmm. There are tons of things that can be happening. And it's really advantageous to explore your realtor personally and kind of see, okay, well, what is it that you do on the weekends? Where, where is your interest? You know, Are you involved in networking groups? Are you part of chamber boards? Do you volunteer at the rec center? You know, do you have a good array of roots in the place that you're going to be selling so that you can give me the best advantage that I have representing me, right? Mm. Yeah. I like all of that. I mean, I think that there are a lot of reasons why you might choose somebody who is local to a town that you specifically want to live in. But I, th- I think that's something that I would never have thought of. Like, I would have just called somebody that says, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina on their website and not really thought about that extra layer of like really being a community member and not just somebody who sells real estate there. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And I think a lot of people can relate to you in that sense, because I get it a lot of the times where people call and they say, oh, you know, I want the local agent in Raleigh, right? Well, what does local mean to you? Does that mean that this agent you're going to hire has an address within Raleigh? Does this mean that that agent has been born and raised there and has grown up in the community and has, you know, all these different avenues of networking and people that they can contact to get you the best deal? Does it mean that this person just moved here? And they're a brand new agent. There's so many different things that can happen. And I think it's really good advice and a little secret to know being local isn't always the most important thing. Mm, I like that. Well, our next thing to discuss is like, does experience really matter? If location doesn't really matter, does experience really matter? So I'm going to give you a little secret here. And the secret is no, not always. Experience does not always matter. You know, somebody that's a brand new agent could be so much hungrier than another agent. Well, they give you that extra personal attention if they're hungry for that first commission, if they're hungry to really build their network and, 
you know, maybe you're looking for a unique property and it's the first time they've ever done that kind of unique property before. Um, so they might be able to give you a little personal attention that somebody that has a roster of like 50 clients that month might not be able to do. Right. And I, I think that that's a super point. Like you really need to pay attention to your agent. You need to pay attention at their delegation abilities because once you hit a certain level, it really comes down to quality over quantity. And at that point as a real estate agent, you kind of have to determine, okay, I'm going to take this fork in the road option. I'm going to be a quantity person. I'm going to focus on the number of my transactions, right? So that may be a good option for someone such as a discount broker, you know, someone that is looking for that transaction count, but not necessarily the quality. And then you have agents that are focused on the quality. And so they may do, you know, 20 deals a year, but that's because they're giving so much time and attention to their clients that it's more worth it for them personally to give that quality. And so, you know, another thing that we kind of need to hit on is a brand new agent just got out of school. So they have fresh education, they have the fresh, you know, update on the laws, and we are required as realtors to take continuing education every year. But, you know, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. And so I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. A lot of the veteran agents, I'm talking 30, 40, 50 year agents are going to be set in their ways. Mm -hmm. They're going to, you know, and I would be too. I would be too. If I was, you know, an agent after 40 years and I've always structured my business a certain way, I would probably continue doing that, especially if it made me successful. However, Mm -hmm. times change. Mm -hmm. Things are different. I've had veteran agents tell me, you know, oh, I I made all my contacts and all my money from door knocking, right? Mm -hmm. And going around on neighborhoods and knocking on doors and they did it in the summer and it was hot and all these things, right? And nowadays... That's not how it's done, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the leads, especially for me personally, come from social media. And there's agents I know that don't even have a social media account. Mm -hmm. And I think it is super detrimental. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people are so stuck in their ways that, of of course, they'll do the continuing education. But then when it comes to growing with the times and transforming your business to match where we are is lacking in Mm -hmm. that sense. So what you're saying is that basically a new agent could be just as qualified as a veteran agent, right? Like, Absolutely. I think that we should give less attention to the amount of years that someone has because every situation is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, Every agent is going to have, when I say experience, I don't mean the years. I mean, have you sold this type of property before? Do you know what kind of foundation this is? Do you know what kind of build this is? Are you experienced enough in the sense to help this particular client? Um, I think that's so different than the years because like, you know, someone could have 50 years of experience and have never sold an equestrian property. So would Mm -hmm. that make them a good fit for someone that has horses and is looking for that? Probably not. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? (laughs) So every situation is unique. And I think it's very important to research your agent and make sure that what they're offering you and their business structure matches with the greatest ability to represent you. Well, moving on, our next topic to discuss is Does size matter when it comes to a boutique agency versus a large established firm? Does it matter? Well, the secret is maybe. It just kind of depends on your needs, right? Right. That's right. So it's all going to depend on if you prefer a larger, you know, firm or if you prefer more of a small boutique firm that's going to hold your hand throughout the process and have more attention and and that sort of thing. And I think a good secret here is a lot of people don't know that you can actually reach out and try to find out who's going to be involved in the transaction, you know, along the way. You could be dealing with a regional office that has hundreds of agents where you're going to go from a sales representative, 
You're going to, you know, be shown homes with a showing agent. Your realtor will write and submit your offer. And then you'll be given to a transaction coordinator and a closing, you know, assistant, all these different people. And it's really important to know that up front Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of different people that, you know, they don't want to deal with anyone but the agent. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of firms don't offer that and vice versa. There's a lot of people that say, oh, well, my agent isn't giving me the time that I need. Well, that's why we delegate responsibilities to different members of the team. So if you're kind of looking for that one-on-one, it would be important to mention that to your agent up front and make sure that those views align. So yeah, I definitely agree that I think it's maybe, and it just depends on what you're looking for. Okay, now this is something that I know you have experience with. Some people are afraid to work with an agent that they may have personal connections to. So should somebody stay away from a realtor that might be a family member or closely tied to their family? This is a super question because this comes up so often. You would be surprised at how many times I'm helping agents with this. Is it good to do business with family members and friends? And I think the secret is if you hire someone with a connection to you, you just need to make sure that it's still treated like a business transaction. Mm. We need to be sure to separate the business and the personal. And if you think that your relationship would suffer or that that separation couldn't be there, of course, I wouldn't recommend, you know, doing that. However, when your family member or your friend hires another agent instead of using you, it does hurt us as the agent. Mm -hmm. So it's good to just have that open conversation with your family and with your friends and say, you know, you know what I do. This is my profession. I love what I do and I want to represent you guys or you know, I would be happy to refer you to another agent that could separate those interests for us. And I would still make a referral fee on that. And I think that communication is key. And as long as they know that up front, then you should be all good to go. I have seen it get messy with friends of mine who have used a family member as their realtor, just personally watching it all go down because, you know, they don't sign a contract and um, they don't quite take it as, you know, oh, you're just my sister, you can get this house opened up for me. Or, oh, you know, you're my uncle, can't you just waive the fees or whatever. And so I think that the biggest thing is, at the end of the day, it's still business, even though it's family. They might give you that personal attention um, and they might know your likes and dislikes a bit better than a normal agent would because they know your personality and everything. But you still have to think of it as being business first. Right. And I, I think it's so funny when like people are asking for discounts and things because they know you or because they're your friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, in my eyes, it should be kind of reverse. Like you should want to choose them first because you know them and you want them to earn your money and you want to support their small business. Absolutely. But for some reason, there's like it's the opposite. It's, mm-hmm. hey, I want you to do this at a discount or I want you to do this for free. And then it's like, but why? This is my job. This is how I make money. This is how I put food on the table for my kids. So yeah, just just keep that in mind. And I'll tell you what, if you ever go into a real estate transaction with a friend or a family member, it is going to either make or break that relationship. Mm. So you really have to put your boundaries up and you have to communicate that this is business. This is what you've hired me to do. These are my expectations for you and your behavior. And you know, this is how it is going to go. I have known real estate transactions between people with prior existing relationships to either completely ruin them where people are not talking anymore. Or like Lindy and I and and my other best friend, Carrie, you know, I didn't know them before the Mm -hmm. transaction. And so we actually started that way. And we've become really super close. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the extremes on both ends. I mean, 
Lindy and Carrie have both seen how I run my business. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's not only something that's good for us, but I think it helped bring us closer together because they know my ethics and my morals and how I do things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just sometimes, you know, people can't separate the two, Mm -hmm. right? You're helping your grandma, you're helping your aunt. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's auntie. That's, mm-hmm. this is Lexi Lou. This is the Lou. She, you know, oh, she thinks she's a real estate agent now. You know, let's go see this house. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times people get taken advantage of. And I don't think it's on purpose, right? But you just really have to set that boundary and make sure that you separate business and personal. And if someone's trusting in you to represent them, then you have the obligation to represent them to the fullest extent of the law. Absolutely. Right mm-hmm. from the jump. Mm-hmm. So... The next thing that we want to talk about a little bit is when you're choosing your real estate agent, you really should think about how important technology is to you and how important is a commercial space for the agency to you. Right. So it's 2023. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things have changed. Real estate has been around since the beginning of time, but computers haven't. DocuSign hasn't. So I've personally worked with agents and with clients that do not have emails. You know what I mean? They don't have Mm -hmm. emails. And for me, you know, being born in 1995, it's really weird because from the time I could use a computer, I had an email. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but you know, you have to really consider how important technology is to you because there are agents that do things completely electronically. Mm -hmm. They don't have an office. They're virtual. And sometimes it makes people uncomfortable or sometimes that's really what you're looking for. A lot of our job can be done virtually, mm-hmm. and I want to put that out there. there there's a stigma behind, oh, well, I'm not going to hire this agent if she doesn't have a commercial space. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hire this agent if she doesn't have anywhere that we can go and sit down with a conference room and with glass walls, and she doesn't have billboards and a commercial and a radio ad, and that's not how it works anymore. We are allowed mm-hmm. and should, when we can, be with our families and work virtually, especially when it comes to real estate. There's so many things that you can get accomplished nowadays from utilizing your technology. Well, yeah. I mean, you can be out showing a client a house and at the same time getting somebody else to sign their documents at the same time, you know, versus being having to go back to the office and uh, being tied down. So I think the secret to this topic is to really talk through the tech process with your agent and see if it matches your expectations. Maybe you are that person who doesn't have an email and wants everything physical copies and wants all that. Make sure that they align with what you want. And if you are tech savvy, make sure they are too. Yeah. So our next topic for discussion is not just choosing an agent to help you see houses. You really need to uncover what is included with the relationship and what is the process going to look like moving forward, especially when it comes to showings and paperwork and the transaction. So the secret to this one is you have to think long term. So you have to consider what am I buying the house for? Am I an investor? Am I looking to flip this property? Am I looking to build generational wealth with long term investing? Um, because house hunting can be fun, right? Yeah. It, it just becomes like an addictive thing that you do. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is going into new houses and just seeing them for the first time. And really what I do is I take a little video clip every time I go on a showing of my one favorite feature of that house. Mm. So that one day, one day when I build my own house, I can put all of my favorite features from all of the houses I've seen like in my Aww. one house. <laughs> I know it's pretty lame, but. Um, no, it's great. 
<sighs> but yeah. I hope you get that dream home. <laughs> Thank you, girl. One feature at a time. One feature at a time. <laughs> but yeah, um, so you want to make sure that you know what kind of agent you're hiring as well. So is it a full service agent or are you getting a discount broker? There's different commission structures. There's different, you know, fees that you can be charged. There's firms that offer, you know, scheduling appointments. They contact the vendors. They have a transaction coordinator. And then there's other firms that kind of let you do it all on your own, you know, as Mm -hmm. the client. So you really need to find out what's important to you and make sure that you know what the process is like before you even get started. Yeah. Agents aren't just there to help you see a house. Like that's the fun part. It's the first part. It's everything else that comes after it. And that's the truth. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, when you search real estate memes, right, what comes up, this is all that real estate agents do is go around and show beautiful properties and open doors for people and write an offer and that's it, right? They're making all this money from doing those three things. And it is by far the biggest conspiracy theory I've ever heard in my Mm. entire life. That is not all that we do. I feel like I work the job of 10 different people sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, with the amount of work that we have to do. And hopefully with this podcast, you'll be able to understand it a little bit more from, you know, the eyes of someone who's doing it every single day. But please don't think that that's all that we do is show houses because Mm -hmm. I promise (laughs) we are doing so much more than that. (laughs) Well, jumping off of that, another thing that you have to face when partnering with an agent is all of the paperwork that comes with it, right? So you have a buyer's agreement, um, a, an agent agreement. I don't know. You can walk me through all of it. But I know there was a ton of paperwork when we said yes to you being our agent. And I think the secret that you should really take away from this is know all of the documents that you're signing and ask questions. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of the documents, you know, are super important, right? We do have to send sample forms and brochures of certain things that you can read through in your own time. But, you know, particularly the buyer's agency agreement and the exclusive listing agreement. I mean, those are contracts that you're signing as, you know, as the consumer, you're making a commitment that this person is going to represent you. And we aren't getting paid up front. I mean, Mm -hmm. unless you're paying a non-refundable retainer, maybe to an agent, but my firm doesn't charge that at this time. So, you know, you're putting your faith and you're trusting into someone to represent you and to do a lot of the work, like 90% of the work Mm -hmm. before they get paid like a penny. So it's very important to ask your agent questions if you don't understand what you're signing and to realize that what you're signing is a legal contract and it is a commitment. So you are also signing because you have duties outlined in both of those contracts, you know, confidentiality, you're agreeing to only work with one agent, certain things like that but you're also agreeing to uphold the contract and by the agent performing the duties you've asked them to perform, you know, you're supposed to be compensating them for their time. Mm -hmm. So it is in your best interest to continue doing everything that you can to make sure that the contract doesn't fall through. Um, But we can talk about that in another episode. Well, I think it also, there used to be this like hard, fast rule of the seller always paying 6%, three to Um, the seller's agent and three to the buyer's agent, correct? And now that has gotten real murky, right? Right. So legally, I just have to say in case the NCREC is listening to my podcast, which I hope you guys are, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But legally, we are not allowed to say like what the standard, what the average rate is because Mm -hmm. we're all 1099. So it's literally outlined in stuff that we have to pass tests for that say, we're not allowed to say like, oh, the standard rate is 6% be- mm. because we can all set our own rates as Got self-employed it. 1099 individuals. 
Um, but it's all negotiation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's about the consumer. If the consumer is looking for a top to bottom, you know, renovation, staging, landscaping, that may cost a higher commission mm-hmm. than someone who's just looking for you to put it on the MLS real quick and mm-hmm. be done with it. So every agent and every firm is going to have different fees. And that's mm-hmm. why it's another really good reason to review your documents because that's all going to be outlined in that contract Got that it. you're signing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've now chosen an agent to sign with, right? We've read through all the contracts, signed all the paperwork, but there's still one thing that we need to talk about even after you've chosen that agent. If you've been agent hopping, a great secret tip is to go back and let your other agents know that you aren't partnering with them but want to continue a relationship in the future. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's always a good idea to be upfront and honest. You never want to burn bridges. You don't know who people are, who they know, right. The connections that they have. So if you have been interviewing agents and you decide on your right fit, which you have every right. And I highly recommend doing to Mm -hmm. make sure you have the right agent. When you decide who that is, I would definitely have the agent or yourself, if you're comfortable letting all of the other agents know, you know, what has happened For example, if you're a for sale by owner and you've listed your property as a for sale by owner, you're going to get tons of calls from all the realtors in the area that want to get you to list their property with them. So after interviewing agents, you decide on one, you sign the listing agreement with that one agent. My firm actually offers to contact all of the other agents that you did have interviews with or were scheduled and just give them a courtesy that, hey, just so you know, we have a signed contract in place. We really appreciate your time and so does our client. And we hope that you have a great day, right? It's Mm -hmm. simple. But you don't want to drag someone along on the string, right? You don't want to waste their time. And it's totally okay to interview, but it's totally lame to... um, not let anybody know what's going on and, and keep five or six agents on the, on the hook thinking, yeah. you know, don't just ghost them. No, don't ghost them. And don't, don't lead them on like having them show you properties and yeah. then going behind their back and getting another agent to write up the offer and send it like that's shady. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> From one agent to consumers, please don't do that. Well, because even if it doesn't affect this transaction, you know, the next time you go to buy a home, your agent that you worked with last time could be retired on maternity leave, have moved out of the area. There's a plethora of reasons why they might not be the right fit for you down the line. So you might have to go back and start looking at other people. Wouldn't it be great if you already had two or three other ones that you had already talked to that you could be like, you know, it didn't work out with that person. Let me call them back up and see if maybe it works out this time. That's all right. Kind of like a backup offer. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got choices A, B, and C, and you maintain the relationships with those three. And if something happens, you know, because anything could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be looking for a home up to a year, two years. People's entire lives change in that amount of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to Disney for two weeks. So, Anyone that calls me and says, hey, I want to go see this property, my first thing is, okay, well, I have some great agents I could show you as soon as you want to, or I'll be back in town on the 17th. Would you like to wait, or would you like me to give you to someone who can help you immediately, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, I think that's a very great point. And I think that also depends on the market, too, right? Like, when the market is hot, you can't be waiting those two weeks, right? right? Mm -hmm. But when the market is a little slower, a little more in a recession like we are right now, Mm -hmm. those two weeks isn't going to really make or break anything. Right. At the end of the day, it's completely your preference. Mm -hmm. There are some clients that I've had that are really, you know, they want to be helped immediately. They want you to stop what you're doing and help them, which is fine. You know, it's a client's preference. Mm -hmm. And it's also 
another truth for you, an agent's preference, whether you want to work with said client or not, because you're both signing the contract Mm -hmm. um, and you cannot sign it and not represent someone if you feel like they're not a good fit for you Mm -hmm. as well. But market conditions change so frequently and you have times that you really need to see it immediately and you need to stop what you're doing to help someone. And there's other times where if the home's been sitting on the market for six months, it's probably not going to move in the next week and you can take more of your time. So Mm -hmm. just all about your preference. Well, we hope today's episode gives you a lot to think about and maybe some insider knowledge, let you in some of the secrets of choosing a great agent. Um, So thanks for joining us today. Yes. And if you'd like this episode, please be sure to leave us a positive rating and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yes. And if you have any questions about this episode or real estate in general, you can find us online at our Hello Real Estate Facebook group, where we encourage an open dialogue with all of our community members. The link is in the show notes and we hope to see you there. Bye. Bye.